Here's today's God Heals Hurting Marriages with Charlene Steinkamp. Hi, I'm Charlene, and we are doing the second week of Question and Answers, and we're so excited to be able to continue to do this. I wanted to open up with Ephesians 5 about marriage and to encourage you to understand why we believe marriage is so important. And this is one of the scriptures that you could take certain verses of it and put your husband or wife's name in it, that they would be what the Lord wants us to be. Ephesians chapter 5, and one of the sections in chapter 5 is titled, Marriage-Christ in the Church. And I think that is going to be very important for you for the rest of your life to know how important the marriage is with Christ in the church, as I read, starting in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. If only we could follow the word of God, and the husbands would love their wives as Christ loves the church. If only the wives would learn how to respect their husbands. Even if wives would submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. But we need to understand that the enemy has come in to kill, steal, and destroy God's word. So we have now got the crisis of divorce attacking our churches we have divorce in our church and outside. And you have been chosen by God to fight for your marriage. We're thrilled that you have found our website and are getting encouragement by our daily devotionals that will help you keep your heart and mind focused on standing and praying and interceding for your family for marriage restoration. God wants that as much as you do, but he needs us all to change and crucify our own sinful nature and change and be more like our Lord. So that is why we're going to do question and answers because we're going to apply the word and help you to learn that we have to be more Christ-like and not live like the world and talk to our friends who are not Christians and would say, get on with your life. I would never wait. And all the other words that will be negative to you. And even people in your church that are not strong in the Lord may not even understand what all the scriptures say about marriage. 
you are chosen to do this, and it is a privilege and an honor to pray for your husband or wife. The first question is, I hate knowing that there may be another woman in my husband's life. How can I let go of all this hurt and not let it affect my emotions? Well, the shock of knowing it, it does hurt. It is going to affect your emotions. But then we have to come to the point after the shock to realize and seek God, seek the Lord. Let me take you to Isaiah 55, verse 6. And it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now that's going to be your husband you're praying for. And the evil man, his thoughts, let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. It continues in verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, also making it bud and flourish, so that it yielded seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The Lord is saying to us, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord for a scripture and his direction for your marriage. If you go to Proverbs, if you go to the Old Testament, you go to Malachi, God hates divorce. God created marriage, and it it was good. We have got to realize that Satan is coming to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage, so we have to rise up. There is a scripture in Philippians 4 that I love, and it's what I had to use for when I had weekends where I would think that I knew the other woman was with my husband. Let me take you to Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The Lord knows what you're going through, so he wants you to focus on what he wants you to do. He wants you to focus on him, the Lord, and tell him what you're feeling and lay it at his feet and tell him, help me, Lord, my mind is being tormented by the enemy with thoughts of what they may be doing or all the fun they're having, or you find out he took her on a vacation or they went to your favorite restaurant. All those different things that happen that are memories that you have had, that is just the enemy doing a fiery dart to hurt you. And the Lord is not wanting you to be hurt. He wants you not to be anxious about it, not hurt about it. He wants you to lay it at his feet. He said he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Then in verse 8, it continues to tell us how to do it. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. 
That is what the Lord's telling us to do. He's telling us to think about only the good and the right things and the pure things and the lovely things. And he's telling us to take captive our thoughts and not just let the enemy or our flesh just think anything. If Bob would be here to answer this, he would say, all that Charlene tormented herself with thinking about what I was doing with her, we were actually fighting or we were actually having a difficult time because of her prayers. And I was battling what I'm doing wrong. I was under guilt and shame and condemnation, but I was not surrendering to the Lord. The enemy is trying to ruin two families on a weekend. And instead, we should take all our thoughts captive and then God will help you guard your heart and your mind and you can have the peace of God that's beyond understanding. It says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That is what we want you to do. We want you to know that you don't have to be anxious about it. You can trust God. You can let go and let God. He will guard your heart and mind. He will do it. And think about the good things. Look outside. Listen to the birds. Go to the beach. Go to the mountains. Look at the trees and the flowers. God created all of them. He has made the beautiful things all around us to think about the good and not about that other person that is trying to destroy your life. God is able to help you through those thoughts. The next person would like advice on how to deal with her in-home prodigal. Do you have any words of wisdom for how to deal with that on a day-to-day basis? I'm going to tell everyone that I am very thrilled and excited that you have an in-home prodigal because that means they have not left They've left emotionally, they may have left mentally, or responsibility that they are not helping you, or you've got much larger responsibility than you have had, but they are in a battle. Your spouse is battling many emotions or temptations. My suggestion strongly is don't guess what they're doing. Don't try to find out If they're doing something, don't examine their phone, don't follow them, don't go in the email and try to find out what they're doing, but go to the Lord in everything. I know this may be much harder when they're home and you're seeing and hearing their um, actions or they go and disappear and be on the phone or do different things. They are just battling between right and wrong. This is where you're coming in of loving them as Jesus would love them. And we have had this happen so many times, that unconditional love that you would pour on them, agape love unconditionally. We get emails that say that love unconditionally has actually brought them and made them feel guilty. The point that God is speaking to them saying she's not paying you back or he's not paying you back for what you're doing. So you want to ask the Lord to give you wisdom and guidance and direction, insight, discernment of how to make him know that you love him 
unconditionally or her unconditionally and try to keep peace in the home without the children be aware of what's going on. The greatest gift you can give your spouse and your children is surrendering your heart and life to your husband or wife and saying, I'm choosing to fight for my marriage by loving them unconditionally. One recently I saw was that I treated him like a king or I treated her like a queen and did the love languages. If you remember the love languages, that's an excellent book to buy and would help you to see what his love languages or her love languages so that they feel loved. The other book that I would recommend that's very good is Love Dare from the Fireproof movie. Back years ago, there's a Love Dare book that gives you every day things you can do for 40 days of things to show love to your spouse. You may get no response at all, and you start the book again, and you continue on showing steps and areas of showing love to them unconditionally with no strings attached. But God is going to bless you and going to work on your spouse while you're doing this. You're sowing good seed and you reap what you sow. So be thrilled that your spouse is home and they have not left or filed for divorce. Or they may be threatening. I'm not saying they're not speaking horrible things to you, but you are there and you are going to do the opposite of what he is doing or she is doing. The next question is, how do I let go completely because I'm filled with so much pain in my heart? How can I possibly forgive my spouse? And I would start by answering that by telling you that forgiveness is not allowing the sin that your spouse has done and approving of it. Forgiveness is saying to God that you trust that he will fight for you and that you are relinquishing the hurt and the fear and the anger that you've been going through. Forgiveness is not condoning what they've done. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you should no longer have feelings about the situation. Some of the situations that we hear about day after day are devastating and you can hardly understand how a man or a woman can walk away from their husband or their wife or their children, how they can leave everything that they've ever known to go with a stranger that they barely know. It's hard to fathom how a dad can never see his children and can choose another lifestyle. But dwelling on the acts and the sins that your spouse has committed will literally drive you crazy. And God has said that he wants to carry that burden for you and he wants to take care of that for you. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. And right now you need to ask God to transform your mind because in your humanness, you want to hurt and you want to dwell on what's happened, but you need to be fixated on God and on what he can do to redeem your spouse. Forgiveness is something that only God can equip you to do because it's not natural. It's not natural to forgive a person that has hurt us. 
Think about the relationship you have with Jesus and how we have rejected him time and time again, how we've turned our backs on him. And he forgives us over and over for walking away from him, for not going to him first, for not praying, for not spending time in the word with him. And that's the same relationship we can have with our loved ones, with our spouse and with our children and with our in-laws. When they hurt us, we can give up our right to hurt back because of what God has done for us in sending his son to take our sins. Bart Millard with the Christian group Mercy Me wrote a song, I Can Only Imagine, and it ended up becoming a movie. And he went through a severe childhood of abuse uh, with his father. His mother abandoned him and left him, and his father raised him. And he ended up being so wounded and so hurt because he never forgave and dealt with forgiving his father and mother. And it's a beautiful story of forgiveness. He went home to see his father and to seek the Lord. And when he found him, he found him very sick and found out he was dying of cancer. And in that story, his father had accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have many people we have to examine during our stand when we're praying for husbands and wives. We need to pray and ask ourselves if they're family members that we have not forgiven for woundings that we have received as a child or as a teenager or other people, people who have rejected you. Forgiveness is a large key to marriage restoration. When Bob walked in this door, I had to forgive him and know I had forgiven him of all the past. And I could not go in to the garbage can and say, now that you're home, we need to deal with all what you've been doing for the last so many years. And that is what was so important for you and for me, is that I didn't bring up the junk and the sin. I trusted God. I forgave Bob over and over again, and he knew I was forgiving him and walking in that unconditional love like Jesus loves me and choosing to go the Lord's way. The next question is, I have heard if the prodigal remarries that it is a sin to go back and remarry the first spouse. Is that true? That is an excellent question, and we have answered that question for over 25 years because many people mention that to the stander and says that they need to live by the law of the Old Testament instead of living under the New Covenant in the New Testament by God sending his only son, and we now do not live by law in the Old Testament. I will read in Deuteronomy 24 the verses that the pastor or other people refer to. Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 says, If a man marries a woman who becomes something to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, give it to her and send her from his house. And if after she leaves his house she becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her, and writes her a certificate of divorce, give it to her, and send her from his house. Or if he dies, then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. 
that would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Romans 7 verse 2 says, For example, by law a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. In Romans 7, verse 4, it says, We no longer look to the Old Testament law and sacrifices for salvation and acceptance from God. The Lord says throughout the New Testament that we are one flesh. When you did your marriage vows, you were married for life. Let me read you 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Those are two scriptures that I wanted to clarify to you to help magnify this question and the answer that you're wanting to understand Deuteronomy 24. When you go to the New Testament and you read about marriage, it is a permanent marriage. It is for life. Even if they refer to Deuteronomy 24, they're going back to the Old Testament where they had more than one wife. When Bob was planning his wedding, I sought the Lord out wondering what that meant to me personally. And the Lord was very firm with me that it did not matter if Bob was planning his second marriage or he ended up divorcing her and going into a third or a fourth marriage. The Lord kept showing me all these different scriptures that are in the New Testament and Old Testament that we are married for life. It's a permanent marriage. It's a covenant, not a contract. And so the Lord spoke to me so strongly he said, I want you to wait for Bob until you're 80 years old in a rocking chair, and he may miss the best years of your life, but you are married for life and you must wait for him. If you want more information on the passage in Deuteronomy 24 and an article my dad wrote on it, you can contact us through our website and request that and we can email that out to you. How do I deal with well-meaning friends that bring up negativity about the situation between me and my spouse? I'm going to answer this question. Let's start by looking at 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. It reads, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his outward appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Nobody really knows the heart of your spouse except the Lord. Even you may think you fully know what's happening in their heart and in their mind, but you don't. You need to remember that. While your friends and family mean well, they're not in the same battle that you are. They haven't been called to fight for your marriage. You have been. We just read from 1 Corinthians 7, and verse 10 says, To the married I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. That is what you're fighting for. Your friends may not be able to understand that. And I would caution you about the friends and the relatives that you're sharing details with. 
You need to take the details of your stand and the details of your problems to the Lord and to him only. He knows what's happening in your situation. He's the only one who needs to know it. You don't need to give all of the details to even your in-laws or to your best friend. They don't need to know all of the details, but take it to the Lord. And when your friends ask about your husband or ask where your husband or wife are, when your friends say, what's going on with them? Or are they in another relationship? Your answer could be as simple as keep praying for them. And that would be plenty to be able to ask them to pray for your husband or wife, but not going into all of the muck. Everybody will have an opinion. And unfortunately, they're not always going to be people that have godly opinions. And they may not be people that are in the right relationship with Jesus and able to speak into your life. Find a person who can be that person for you. Find a prayer partner. Find a godly woman or a godly man at your church that you trust their relationship with Jesus and someone that you've seen evidence of their growth and have that be the one person that you can confide in. But you don't need to go to people online or in chat rooms or even on the share wall for that matter that we offer and get opinions about your situation because people will bring negativity into that and the only opinion that matters is God's. Let him look at the heart of your spouse and let him look at your heart and speak to that. And I also would add to this is that in the last 25 years, we have had experience where you may have one prayer partner and after a period of time, they may end up giving up on their marriage or giving up on the circumstances of what you are facing and they decide they don't wanna be your prayer partner any longer. You may not want them to have known everything and then they don't know all what God is doing on restoring your marriage. And so you've got a person that knows way too much the details about your personal life with your husband or wife. You need to keep the confidentiality with the Lord. As Lori said, not share all the details. What does letting go look like? I understand what it means physically, like not snooping, but how do I let go in my mind? Letting go and letting God is living a lifestyle of surrendering your heart and life to the Lord each and every moment of your life. One minute at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. It is totally trusting the Lord to live in your heart and life. It's living a Christ-like life and taking captive the thoughts in your mind. The enemy is never going to stop attacking our minds with thoughts that may not be Christ-like or may make you worry or may tempt you to gossip or any other number of items of different things. So I'm going to read Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So the point is that when you pick up the cross and every day choose to pick up the cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you're choosing to live a Christ-like life. And the only problem that you and I will have is that the devil is going to try to tempt us to do something that we're not supposed to do. For instance, in Romans 12, 
Verse 21, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When you have a thought in your mind that comes and you don't wonder, where did that come from? You say, Lord, remove those thoughts from my mind right now in the name of Jesus. Just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, remove it. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, it talks about the mind. Look up all the different scriptures on mind. You will be so blessed and encouraged. When I put on the armor of God, we put on the helmet of salvation. And I always say every morning, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation and cleanse my mind from any and all impurities and create in my mind pure thoughts. And I ask the Lord every day to do that. And that is one thing you can do to help yourself is put on that armor of God to help protect all those attacks from the enemy. Let me take you to Philippians. I've used this scripture many times, but we keep getting questions about the mind. And Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, and that's what you're wanting, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That is what we want the Lord to do, to guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And it says, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Letting go and letting God every day is such an awesome way of surrendering your heart, your body, soul, and spirit to the Lord each and every day. This includes your mind. The Lord wants you to have only good thoughts and doesn't want you to have a battle of the mind. The enemy is wanting to torment you every day about the other woman or circumstances that your husband or wife are doing and, and reminding you of that. And so surrender your heart and life to the Lord. Ask the Lord to cleanse your heart and mind and look up those scriptures and see if you do not get victory in your life. Will my spouse ever repent if I continue to enable? Are you enabling or are you loving your spouse the way Jesus loves us unconditionally? There are boundaries in relationships. Boundaries are healthy. Can you imagine if we didn't have a speed limit? What if there were no guardrails on the edge of the mountain roads? Boundaries protect. It is hard to answer this without knowing what you're doing that you consider you're enabling. But I would ask you to gauge it against what God says about loving our enemies. Let me take you to Matthew 5, verse 43. The title of this section in my Bible says, Love for Enemies. And you may be considering your spouse right now as an enemy. Verse 43 says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. 
He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you will love those who love you, what reward will you get? And even the tax collectors are doing that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you will look up other scriptures about loving your enemies, that will show you more about enabling your husband. I would suggest every day you put your husband or wife at the foot of the cross, letting go and letting God and not realize that you're enabling, you're loving your spouse, especially if your spouse is an in-home prodigal. You're not enabling him by being home. You're allowing him to be in home and not be outside in the darkness of the world of the enemy. If they are an in-home prodigal, my suggestion is you show them unconditional love by cooking and baking and doing things that encourage them and showing them that you're treating them and not punishing them for what they're doing. We understand they may be having an affair, they may be doing other unchristlike things, but you're allowing God to deal with them and not you by punishing them. The Lord's not asking you to punish the enemies. He's asking you to love the enemies. If your husband or wife are not home, I don't know how you might be considering you're enabling them. So you might clarify that with the Lord. When you get questions like this, this is the most perfect time to find a base of a scripture like Matthew 5, verse 43, and go down, and then take the cross-reference and look up all these different scriptures, and it will magnify what the Lord is saying about loving the enemy. And it will really help give you clarification regarding that. That's a good tool to do on any of your questions that you have. How do you keep the fire burning in long stands? I would answer that first by saying two words, by faith. And when you read Hebrews 11, which is known as the faith chapter, throughout that chapter, you have example after example of people who had to have faith despite the circumstances that were in front of them. Verse 20 says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, and that's easy to say, but when you're walking through it, it is what you have to have to survive the days and to survive the months without your spouse. When you are sitting in a chair at work, you probably did not inspect the chair before you sat down. You probably just sat down having faith that that chair was going to hold you. And every day, that's the same faith you need to have in Jesus Christ for healing your marriage. God has asked you to stand for this marriage, and your resolve needs to be focused on that. Not even focused on the restoration or when it's going to happen, but fully focused on Jesus Christ and looking to him for what you need each and every day. 
First John 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I know that it may feel like you're waiting in eternity for your spouse to come to a relationship with the Lord or for you to see a change in your circumstances. But this is one of those situations where you need to fully trust Jesus and wait on his perfect timing and let him be the author of that timing. Your plan is not as good as his plan, and you cannot see all that he can see. So trust him for the future and do that by faith day after day, and he will supply what you need and the grace that you need to get through every day. I hope you've enjoyed listening to these questions and answers, and I wanted to remind you of some resources on our website that will help you. If you visit the resources tab on our website, you can read testimonies from other couples that have had their marriages restored. You can also go under the prayer resources and find many resources there that will help guide you in your prayer life. One of the other popular pages is the question and answer page under resources. So go on there and ask a question, look up a topic, look up the word mind that my mom told you about earlier and start finding answers to your questions that you're having. As always, we love to have you contact us. So please feel free to reach out to us through our website. We love praying for you and include your phone number because we do like to periodically pick up the phone and have prayer partners call to pray with you. Thanks for listening. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.